podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. Hey, you're tuned in to Three Questions in a Song, episode number 51. My name is Bill. With me are Josh and Stephanie from Dancing with Ghosts out of Jacksonville, Florida. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Hanging out, having fun, rocking and rolling. So this is very, very, very fast. I'm going to ask a question and answer a question. I will not segue, most likely, and ask the next question. Unless we get sidetracked, which tends to happen occasionally. All right, so my first question for you is, if you could play any musician in history in a rockumentary, who would you play and why that person? I would play Prince in a Purple Rain because everyone tells me I look like Prince, <laughs> even though I'm like a foot taller than him. And uh, I would just play it to the hilt. I would be dramatic. I would uh, do the bathtub scene where the camera <laughs> raises as I stand up naked. Um, I, would have, I would have the permed quaff i'd have the puffy shirt um and yeah i just i'd play to my strengths of looking kind of like prince (laughs) see i don't have as like fun of an answer um there's not any like female musicians that i like idolize or anything but i get told all the time for the past like eight years that i look like miley cyrus and fun fact if i've had any moonshine i sound like miley cyrus um I don't think I look like her, but I've had complete strangers walk up to me and call me Miley, so I don't know what to do with that. Um, so that's I, I don't really think I look like anybody, so that's that's all I can do. You don't have to necessarily look like them. You can. I know, it's just but, who you. I, but I don't. I don't know. Like I don't have like a like a, a driving passion because like gender wise, like there's a lot of uh, male musicians that I just. I think like that you would about. be a great receptionist in a David Geffen documentary <laughs> rockumentary receptionist number three I think would be a good role fantastic. for you fantastic fantastic I also could play like a really good like dumb blonde like <laughs> oh my god I could do that play a dumb blonde shut up shut up <laughs> what is something that fans of Dancing with Ghosts would be surprised to learn about each of you um I speak a good bit of German uh uh, I wouldn't say fluent, but, you know, a step below fluent. Um, good. I try to, throughout the pa- our past songs, there's little Easter eggs in there where I speak a bit of German. Uh, if you listen, you can catch it. Most obvious would be the, our opening song, Hex, on our CD, Hex. I speak some German in there. The translation is, uh, and through the dark forest where I had the awful nightmare, it lives in my head. Um, sometimes I'd rather be dead, but I say it in German. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I always wanted to be a musician, but um, I also wanted to be a comic book artist. Um, I was just always too slow. But that's kind of coming full circle now because I've been designing so much of our merch um, and uh, I've been doing that. A lot of times from the get-go but now it's really coming full circle because i got this awesome digital art tablet for christmas and i'm making I, i'm starting to like really create again so i think people will start to see more physical art from me that they probably didn't know that i could do so that's some fun stuff your sugar daddy got you that art tablet you got it because i worked hard <laughs> you did what you were told and I, you were rewarded i did what i needed to do, what needed to be done also, because I put up with 
you. <laughs> see, when you're doing that accent, I do kind of see the Miley thing. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, you give me some moonshine, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Because I always have a little bit of rasp, but it's it's something extra. She's got a little twang, you know. The song we're going to feature today is Happy Murder Electric. What can you tell me about that? Give us a little bit of insight on that track that, that people might not know about. So there's there's two components to that song, obviously, musically, which is I can talk a little Space bit on. And then, and then lyrically is her department because she wrote all the lyrics for it. Musically, it was a song that it was one of those songs and any musician can probably relate to this. You have kind of demos that you've been kicking around for years that um, for whatever reason, you just never did anything with. Um, when she joined the band, I was just listening through all my old demos and I came upon that one and I really liked it always liked it musically but i didn't think my voice really because originally i had done vocals on the song and i i just i thought my vocals weren't great and so as i was listening to the song i started getting like the naked and famous uh young blood song vibes with uh that really high pitched female vocal where she tracks the voc the the verse vocal that's like six or seven takes all in one to create this really big vocal sound and i wanted that vibe for this song it has kind of this almost this asian uh k-rock j-rock kind of Mm -hmm. sound to it so i wanted those more chibi sounding vocals if you will uh and so and i wanted it to be kind of like a simple song too uh and it is uh, it's not it's like one of our least musically um proficient songs um so I don't know. I think simplicity and, and blending the electronic kind of beat and sense with the very heavy guitar. It's the lowest tuned we've ever gone. It's drop C tuning, but yet it's poppy. And I like bl- blending all of that. It kind of en- encompasses our sound, which is dark and splashes of co- of paint or color or whatever. That's kind of our, you know, describes our sound. So that's kind of the musical side of it yeah and i'm i'm a huge anime fan so i got to hand select there's a little sample at the beginning uh from one of my favorite terrible animes from high school it's uh one of those weird out in left field animes uh excel saga which i just i found it really appropriate um so i thought that was fun to throw that in there but lyrically um it's a song about people who are users people so it's the used and the user and this could be anybody. This could be a romantic partner. This could be a friend that takes advantage of your your kindness, or they perceive it for weakness. And you've you've done everything you can. You've reached out your hand to try to to try to save them, and they're the type of person that would just like pull you under with them. So eventually, the song is about not being that victim anymore, and you're letting them just kind of like, all right, uh, I'm gonna let you do your 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 thing, and uh, you know, then we'll see how how far that gets you. So um, that song has been a few years in the making um in, in terms of like a, a theory but um it it was a song that needed to happen i've had a rough year with a lot of different uh people and um that definitely was an amalgamation of a few years of compacted just i'm, I'm sick of taking people's shiz i i I'm, I'm done with these people so i think a lot of people can relate to that um you know like i said be it romantic partner or otherwise everybody's had some kind of user 
in their life. Um, so that's basically what the song is about. So that, that makes me wonder about that happy murder part at the beginning of the title. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, I mean, because you're essentially washing your hands of these people. And um, we wanted a completely different type of title for this one. And so we were spitballing. And we decided it sounded very Asian-influenced um, in terms of, like, since we threw that sample in there and stuff. And so we were like, okay, how, how would we make, you know, because I'm, I'm a huge anime fan, J-Rock, you know, uh, K-pop, all that. So we thought it would be fun to give it a title that kind of sounded more in the veins of that. Just, you know, not random words because they do relate. Um, but yeah, we took a different naming approach to this one than we normally would in in, in light of the, the sounds of the song. So what we're going to do here momentarily is listen to Happy Murder Electric by Dancing with Ghosts.
That was Happy Murder Electric by Dancing with Ghosts, who happened wow, to be hanging. Wow, what a great song! Wowie. <laughs> happened to be hanging out with me at the moment. The way the show works is the the guests that were on the last episode asked the third question. So I'm going to go ahead and let Good Grief ask you their question. Yeah, so the, they blend genres too. Uh, and there's just like a like electronic uh, kind of rock. Uh, is what the, is dark, kind of the dark, 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 dark electronic rock. Yeah, that kind of the vibe I got from it. But so I guess our question is, how do you balance uh, the, the weight of the different genres? Because I heard a few of their songs and some of them lean more rock, some of them lean more like uh, pop electronic stuff. Um, so, so how do you find the, the, the balance in your music and, uh, you know, the direction genre wise? Yeah. So that's a good question, you know, and, and, and they, you know, they really kind of hit on, um, an issue that we've had developing our sound. It's um, taken a long time. It's taken a long time in the early days when it was just me. Um, I write all my songs um are you know i hone them on a digital audio workstation most people use pro tools i use fruity loops um fruity loops has a lot of synth a lot of electronic drum patches and that's how the electronic portion kind of made its way into the music and i'm a guitar player and i love guitar and heavy guitar and all that so then I, I mix that in so essentially that's our basic sound is electronic uh kind of rhythms and synths with heavy guitar and melodic vocals um however there were a lot of songs that i made where i just kind of found something that i thought sounded cool and it kind of deviated from our sound and i just threw it out there under the dance with ghost name anyway and uh, I think with this newest album that's yet unreleased, it'll probably be released at the end of 2021, but we have been dripping out singles like Happy Murder Electric. and About then six singles. Yeah, and then Obsidian Blood before that. Now I think we've, we finally, after years of, you know, screwing about, have kind of codified our sound yeah. into what we want our sound to be. So yeah. it, it wouldn't be as confusing on this new record when you listen to it it, it it all has a much more cohesive feel unlike our last album or songs i mean you could go from one song and it'll sound one way and then another song will sound completely different and I, I think part of that was us learning how to work together because we do like we come from such different musical backgrounds and we like a wide away array of stuff but it's it came from uh in the beginning we didn't say no as much now there are certain things that we may like them, but we've decided this fits, this doesn't. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's a thing, too, where it's like, just because you wrote uh, technically a good song, does that song fit the band, and does it fit the image that you're trying to convey to people in a consistent way? Like, for instance, we wrote like a pop-punk song for this new album, and it was it sounded like a really good legit pop punk song but then it was like but this isn't our sound at all yeah. like so this would be completely confusing to drop as a single so we just ditched it we just ditched the song completely um so it's almost like um you know there there are bands out there like 21 pilots who are love them they're they're kind of all over the place with their sound and i like the 
you know, the longitude or whatever to be able to do all kinds of different things. But we do want to have that general core sound. And then we have what we call like our satellite songs that aren't really, they kind of deviate like Faded, Faded Neon. Neon is a big one. It's one of my favorites, but it definitely it's got is. a very retro 80s sound it to it. Uh, not a whole lot of rock and guitars. But it's nice to be able to do those songs and have the freedom to do, to go outside the box because the last, I mean, no disrespect, but like the last band that I would want to be like would be like an ACDC where it's, the, you know, every song is just kind of the same formulaic. Mm-hmm. That like I would get so bored so fast doing a band like that. So, um, well, like, I, I think part of that also comes from the fact like the bands that you like, like Smashing Pumpkins, they kind of do what they want, but each of their albums is pretty different. Yeah, but then there's that overarching theme of there's probably going to be a heavy distorted guitar in most of it, but yeah. then sometimes there isn't. Um, and, and I don't know, I guess when you cultivate a fan base that's just kind of willing to go along for the ride, that's, that's really the fan base we need. Yeah. We're not exactly one of those bands where it's like, Oh, you like, um, you know, you like metal band, metal band, metal band. Oh, you'll also like Dancing with Ghosts. Or you like pop band, pop band, pop. You'll also like it. We're not a band that's easily categorized into it. And I know a lot of bands probably like to think that way about themselves. But, I mean, for us, it's really true. You could pick a song and maybe be like, oh, if you like this song, you probably like yeah you know but outside of that well, we're trying to fix that though because we realize from a marketing perspective that's not the easiest way to package yourself yeah. so the next album will be a more a more cohesive work and will really kind of show who who we are i guess yeah so something that popped in my head while you while you were talking um mm-hmm. josh you you do your own podcast as well yes sir do you, do you want to drop a little bit of information about it on here so people can check it out the podcast that I do is called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, we mainly talk about segments from the 90s hit show, amazing show, best show that ever existed, Unsolved Mysteries featuring Robert Stack, who I have a tattoo of on my arm. <laughs> I was going to ask you, and I had no idea that's what that was. Yeah. Um, so I really love Unsolved Mysteries, the show, and I met this guy in Washington named Mike, who also had the same passion for the show. And in 2016, we're like, let's do a podcast on it. Yeah, that'd be great. And it kind of like was a hit, like right out of the gate. And um, I mean, arguably, <laughs> arguably, that's the most successful thing I do. We get <laughs> we, we get way more listeners per week on that than our songs do uh unfortunately but hey and i shouldn't say unfortunately because it's a good thing um but yeah it's mainly a true crime podcast has nothing to do with music Uh, i try to shoehorn music in whenever i can but every once in a while i get to guest uh guest feature on there yeah when mike is in in repose or whatever stephanie is a good pinch hitter or whatever um such hate but yeah, it's uh, it's like the trifecta of my life. I have my YouTube channel, the band, and the podcast. Now, obviously, the band is at the top of the hierarchy, but the podcast is a big part of what I do for sure. Mm-hmm. And what you said, 2016 is when you started. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast started in wow, 2018, I think. <laughs> What am I on? Nice. Episode fifty-one, so a little over, yeah, a little over two years. Um, but my other podcast, the Pennsylvania Rock Show, started in two thousand four. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. There was podcasts in 2004. Well, here's the thing. There were, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And, um, man, I can, I can tell you back in 2004, it was a bitch trying to start a podcast because you had to deal with RSS feeds and, uh, distributing it was so much more complicated than it is now. Now it's so much easier to start a because I tried to start one in 2008 and with my friend Brian and um, it was just too complicated and we didn't have a central focus. We thought we were trying to do the Joe Rogan podcast before Joe Rogan. You know, we were trying to do like a stream of consciousness thing, um, and, and it just didn't work. I mean, because we would have these great phone conversations. I'm like, this needs to be a podcast. And uh, for whatever reason, whenever the red recording light turned on, my friend Brian clammed up and I was the one doing all the talking. And <laughs> I was just like, screw podcasts. They'll never work. And then in 2016, when this guy Mike wanted me to try it, I was like, all right, I'll try it again. And thankfully, Mike can talk his head off. Yes. And so can I. So uh, it's like, you know what? This might work. And it did. So, yeah. Uh, it's the, the Pennsylvania Rock Show started out as a live streaming radios show. Um, bands would come into the room I'm sitting in right now and nice. play in my living room. Oh, I miss cool. that. I miss that. And it was that from 2004 until 2010, which is when my twin daughters were born. So we had a two-year-old uh, son and newborn twins. Um, so there's about a year where there were no podcasts coming out of this room. There was still music-related stuff, but... You couldn't like ask them, "Hey, can you play guitar and also feed my child?" Like, yeah. <laughs> that. And then um, when it came back, that's when it really turned into a podcast, and then it has morphed its way back into a radio show slash podcast. Um, and right below you, right now, it is scrolling both buildthescene.com and dancingwithghostsofficial.com. Other than dancingwithghostsofficial.com, where where can the listeners find you guys online? Oh, please, Spotify. Um, we're we're on pretty much almost everything, really. But like Spotify is the one that I personally check every day. If I see a little bump in that, it just makes me feel good personally because it's it's what I use to stream stuff. So, um, Dancing with Ghosts on Spotify. You have facebook.com slash Dancing with Ghosts Official. That is Facebook.com slash Dancing with Ghosts Official. We are on Instagram at Dancing with Ghosts Official. We are on Twitter. Though we hate it. Uh, at Dancing... Dance Ghost Dance. Yes, at <laughs> Dance Ghost Dance. That's our Twitter handle. We are brand new on TikTok. At ah. Dancing with Ghosts Official. Yeah. <laughs> we are on Cash App and Venmo as yeah. Dancing with Ghosts. We are on OnlyFans at No. <laughs> um, that's actually just pictures of him, though. So if you're into that, I mean... SoundCloud, Dancing with Ghosts, YouTube. Yeah, uh, we, have a, we have a ton of music videos that are all self-produced, um, like in-house productions that are all on Dancing with Ghosts, along with a bunch of those other videos. YouTube.com slash Dancing with Ghosts. And uh, just to show you something interesting here, we have uh, officially <laughs> trademarked our band name, Dancing with Ghosts. Nice. Through the uh, United States of America Patent and Trademark Office. So if you see another dance with ghosts out there. They're not real. It, they're uh, illegally infringing. They're a fraud. We're, we are, when we say dance with ghosts official, 
we mean it. It's not just a tag that we made up. I, I'm Although, talking to you, Irish shanty dancing with ghosts in England. There's an English band. Are. We don't have international <laughs> copyright, so there is an English band called Dancing with Ghosts, and they're good for what they are, but they are folky and <laughs> they keep screwing up our stuff because yeah. they won't. Go- they haven't been active from what I can tell for years. I wish they would take their stuff down. It, it took me almost two years to get them off our Spotify because they were like Spotify had us join. And when we did oh. that, we lost our Sounds Like Radio, our Artist Radio, and we've not gotten them back. And it sucks. So it makes it much harder for people to find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there is no, like, if you if you Google how to get an Artist Radio, they're, just, they're like, there's not really a formula for that. You just kind of got to, like... We don't exactly have an answer, and I'm like, we had one, we had one. So if you pull up a Dance with Ghost song and it's got like a fiddle in it or bagpipes, <laughs> yeah. that's probably the not wrong. Game show. That's yeah. not us. Yeah, probably not. Not correct. yet, at least. We haven't gone through our folky phase yet. Yeah, no, wait, wait, like another twenty years, and we're like, you know, we 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 wanted to put hide that part of ourselves, but now we haven't done our ready. our Neil Young's After the Gold Rush album yet. <laughs> You know, that might explain the new Foo, Foo Fighters album. Oh, I haven't heard it, but I'm afraid. I haven't liked much of the recent Foo. I'm an old school Foo. What, did they go folky? Uh, no, but it's just way different than... Like, than what, I, I'm yeah. learned to fly era, so like, that, you know. Yeah, classic, I'm, I'm, 90, I'm 90s Foo Fighters all the way. Yeah, it's not my thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> all their, oh, the thing is, all their stuff just sounded... It started to sound like formulaic and the same uh the last i'd say like all of our stuff eight years no food fighters oh it sounded like you said all of our stuff no, no. food fighters now see you uh, just earned yourself a bonus question here at the end ooh. um so one of the things that i'm trying to do with pennsylvania rock show is get dave Grohl on as a guest oh, and you. so far i am failing miserably um would I've, you like me to retract what i said about food fighters no no um <laughs> you love them I I keep tagging him in posts and tagging Foo Fighters, and I emailed it their management. Nothing. No responses at all. But You should try to sweet-talk him with coffee. Uh, word is, according to many things I've seen, he's a, a very addicted to coffee individual, and I am also that, so I can relate. It Coffee prevents murders. There is a uh, coffee shop in Pittsburgh called black forge that is doing a um fundraiser for the save our stages which dave is very heavily Love. involved with so Love maybe it. i should send him some of that and maybe the- yeah you segue segue whatever you gotta do i'm just telling you like seriously google just like look it up like he's got some kind of catchphrase about like the pot like like what is it like the pot's empty or something and he's always like yelling during recordings about his pot of coffee you know it's funny uh you're talking about getting dave grow on your podcast uh (laughs) on our our pot my podcast um we've had people i've been able to get people who were on the show unsolved mysteries i've been able to interview them and you've also gotten seasoned yeah i I was getting to that can you not spoil it (laughs) um so we we've had like four people who were actually on the show and they were like kind of big, you know, had big segments. You know, these weren't just like like extras. These are actual people who the murder, you know, was their brother. And I, we got to speak to the sister who was featured on the show. 
And there was this guy, Don Devereaux, who was a key interview journalist in one of the popular segments, uh, this journalist named Danny Castellaro, who was found dead in a, under suspicious circumstances as he was investigating something involving the U.S. government, to keep a long story short. So I talked to Don, who's in his 80s now. He was a good, good guy, good interview and everything. And um, he was still friends with John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer, the executive producers of Unsolved Mysteries. And he passed our podcast along to them. I think just as like a fun, hey, look at these guys out here. They're, they're talking about your show. Because this was, before, this was way before Unsolved Mysteries came back to Netflix and all that uh, with the new show and all. Weren't so you guys the first? <laughs> the first? Yeah, we were one of the first okay. podcasts that started covering Unsolved Mysteries. And so um, this was in the, the, the barren times when there was no way to watch the show or anything like that. So it was just the fans keeping the name alive. So what did John and Terry do? Did they pass on the back for, uh, you know, uh, keeping the name alive and the, and the passion alive? No, they had their lawyer send us a cease and desist letter, which I still have. I should frame it. Um, and I actually spoke to the lawyer on the phone a few times, and they were mainly mad that we used uh, – I did a cover in Fruity Loops of the Unsolved Mysteries theme, so it wasn't even a direct ripoff. It was my interpretation of it, and they had a problem with that. Uh, we used a few clips from the show. They had a problem with that, too. They're very protective over their IP. So we had to scrub everything. We had to change the name of the podcast because it was originally called Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries. So we had to change to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. Um, so ever since then, I've, I've been wanting to get John John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer on our podcast and interview them. But I don't think it's going to happen because I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they're fans of us. Oh, yeah, same idea. Um, the reason that, and this, the question, um, I call it the Dave Grohl question on the Pennsylvania rock show. Um, the reason that I want to talk to him is because he lets people from the, from the crowd come up on stage and yes. play. Yes, and, he does. and that's what my question is. It's who's your Dave Grohl. In other words, who would you want to go up on stage and play with? <laughs> uh, would I be playing guitar? Yeah, I'm like, can I just sing and not yeah. try to compete with my keyboard skills? I'd, I'd, I'd want to go on stage. Um... Ronnie Radke or Youngblood or Gerard Way. <laughs> I'd like to play. I love them all. I'd, I'd like to play guitar in Primus just so I could be that close to Les Claypool and see him like play bass. Uh, I'd like to play guitar in Genesis just so I could see the genesis from like the 80s or 90s before phil collins got all old and decrepit yeah that would be that would be great uh some of those guitar parts are just some of those solos are just so tasty uh or smashing pumpkins taylor hansen <laughs> yeah she's one of the only remaining people in the world that's still a fan of the band hansen for the record people only associate them with um bop and they're actually real musicians that, they were like 12 that is were, that was like that is the only 12. song i know so <laughs> yeah that's him at age 12 like you look up georgia blue sky like they have like really awesome th thinking about something like they've got really good songs and um they're still going i haven't been able to see them live ever in my in my life and i i uh, am sad about that um, but you can tell we come from very different musical camps. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know how we're able to be in a band together with how different our music tastes are. I, I definitely like more rock. So yeah, Ronnie Radke, well, that's, Gerard that's... Way, Youngblood. Uh, those are all my top vocal picks because Michael Jackson's a little out of reach, you know, a little bit. Plus, I wouldn't, 
I don't want to compete with any of these people. I just want to like stand there and just watch them do their beautiful thing. Last thing I need from you guys before we stop streaming and I tell you the ICP thing. Um, I need to question that, that you have for Second Cities, which is next episode's guest. Second, uh, the question I have for Second Cities, they have a great sound, by the way. Um, I wanted to ask them, uh, in the UK, is is rock still relevant and appreciated in, in a mainstream kind of way? Because in the United States, it is dying a, a miserable death as far as relevance and appreciation in regards to the mainstream. Or it's giving, or it's being reinvented in a in a whole. Like, you've got your MGK and, you know, your 21 Pilots. It's, it's completely different. So, yeah. Yeah, the bands that we were just talking about that my kids yeah. like. <laughs> so, in the UK, does rock have more of a, of a respect amongst, the you know, your average person... Uh, and, and does it have more of a relevance over there um, th- than in the States? It would be my question to them. And th- yeah, they have a great sound, by the way. Rock almost seems like it's almost alternative just in general here. You have to go to the alternative stations and you have to, you know, it's 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 aggravating. It's very aggravating. There are no alternative stations. Uh, we, we just got ours back. Are you kidding me? Like, locally. Like, it just disappeared for a while. So I'm thankful it's back. But I don't really listen to radio anymore, so... All right, so I want to thank you, thank you guys for hanging out with me on episode fifty-one. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, make sure that this is my my running joke with the show. This is the chain letter podcast where you have to come back and see what the answer is to your own question. So every episode chains together. Gotcha. Hell yeah! All right, so this is an episode number fifty-one. And uh, very shortly, you're going to hear John Lane, the American Hilljack, tell you how to subscribe and various other things. And when you hear that, it's time for you to go to buildthescene.com and listen to some more of the podcasts that are available from um, the Pennsylvania Rock Show, Three Questions and a Song. And there's a um, seasonal one called SOSPGH that you should check out as well, which is... um, there's a concert series going on that's raising money for Neva, the National um, <clears throat> National Independent Venue Association, and that's what that podcast is. It's the bands that are playing in that concert series. So nice. check that out as well, and um, we'll catch you on the fifteenth with Second Cities. You want to know how to say your show title in German? Sure. <laughs> Drei Fragen und ein Lied. I did. I interviewed a band from Italy, and I did the whole introduction in Italian. So <laughs> there you go. This episode of Three Questions of a Song has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more on-site music from around the globe. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.